Hello, this is Roy Lilly. Well, it's character that gets us out of bed, commitment that moves us into action, and discipline that makes us follow through. <laughs> so saith the great sage of life. As for the NHS, it's beds that are the common currency, commitment that gets people up and out of them, and determined policy that keeps people as far away from them as possible. Hospitals and beds. Sausage and mash, they go together. Or maybe not. There was a time when it was all about beds, until the NHS discovered techniques that turned a hospital stay for a new hit from three weeks to three days, and elective beds were reduced. Mental health providers discovered care in the community, and acute beds were reduced. Nursing and care homes promised to take the pressure off elder care services and beds were reduced. Planners thought they could cut bed capacity, cut costs and cut the length of stay, the holy grail of healthcare, more for less. In the past 30 years, bed capacity in England has halved. We have one of the lowest rates of hospital beds per person among the OECD. The average per thousand is five. The UK has just 2.4. Germany, by the way, has 7.8. <laughs> beds, 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 the barometer, the thermometer, the rate limiting step, the canary in the mine. It's all about beds, but it's also about the money and the people to make the beds clean the bed space, provide the food, the machines that go beep, and the healthcare professionals to diagnose and look after the people in the beds. How do we know if we have enough beds? It's complicated. Average length of stay will give you an idea on a daily basis. Number of admissions a day will tell you something about the number of beds for new patients and the number of patients who need to be in the hospital at any given time. This will help you determine how many beds you need for the sickest patients, except it doesn't really work. It's not that easy. Research tells us, uh, and I linked to the research in the e-letter this morning, there are 11 models and five methods to determine bed numbers. Common determinants and variables include demography, changes in average length of stay, admission rates and bed occupancy rates. I mean, it's a whole palaver. The King's Fund have had a stab at it and they take pages in a report to tell us, quote, further reductions in the number of beds will be undesirable as well as unachievable. Well, thanks very much, King's Fund. <laughs> unachievable. Very helpful. The Health Foundation are a bit more obliging. They established the rate of care per person by age, gender, mortality and morbidity at a baseline year of 2018-19. And then they project changes in the population through to 2030-31. It's quite clever. The upshot, they say, an additional 23,000 to 39,000 general and acute hospital beds will be required. Now, the difference between 23,000 and 39,000 is 16,000. That's a 69.75 percentage difference. Next to useless, you can't plan diddly squat with that. No one seems to know how many beds we really need, nor how to figure it out. To understand all this, we need 
a dummy's guide. And who better to turn to than the analyst-in-chief, the fabulous Rodney Jones, who often writes for us. Innovatively, he uses the Erlang equation as his method, and there's more about that that I linked to it in the morning's e-letter, and it really is a, a paper that's worth having a look at. One of his conclusions is, quote, the larger the bed pool, the shorter the queue, and the one larger hospital delivers a far shorter total waiting list than two smaller hospitals. I'll say that again, it's quite important. The larger the bed pool, the shorter the queue, and one larger hospital delivers a far shorter total waiting list than two smaller hospitals. Now, that's really important. Most NHS, NHS methods of predicting demand were developed over 20 years ago, and the main objective was to contain cost. Does anyone really know how many beds the NHS needs, is able to staff, and where they should go? While this fuss about beds, well, the DH Plus has just announced 250 million quid for 900 new hospital beds now uh, as part of an extra 5,000 this winter. The 900 should be ready by January, which I think is a bit late for winter, uh, and with the remainder to follow soon, it says, soon after. How soon? It can't be too soon or they'll be too late. So, I don't know. How the allocations were arrived at is important. What was the basis of the allocations? Was it minimum per head of population? Demand and capacity? Staffing? Examination of historic patient flow data? Bayesian flow modelling? Monte Carlo tree search? Auto-regressive integrated moving average models, service mix, loading. No, none of the above. Hospitals submitted bids, including one that was successful because it was able to convert unused clinical space into a ward. Good luck. Management by lucky dip. What about the unsuccessful, the ones whose bid writing wasn't sexy enough? What about places that can't convert their linen cupboard? What about the marginal bids that nearly made it? Who decided what and why and how? When do you think we might get to being a national health service with a resource allocation formally based on demand, need and capacity? That makes sense and we can all see. Thanks for, for listening. Bye for now. Thank you.